Hey, it's Joe Roeder here with The Mend Podcast, coming at you from the banks of the Yakima River, right out in front of Red's Fly Shop. It is early December, and I'm actually doing an outdoors podcast today because it is a whopping 35 degrees. Anytime we're above freezing in the month of December here is like a bonus, so I'm out here basking uh, in this wonderful kind of Mediterranean climate we have here today at 35 degrees with very little shelf ice, if any, on the river at the moment. So I did some guiding yesterday and uh, got out uh, with a nice couple I've been fishing with for quite some time, good anglers, and uh, they wanted to get out on the river. We were the only ones on the river yesterday and turned out a pretty good day. Figured I'd throw out a podcast, share some knowledge with you about what we use to catch fish, and uh, hopefully get you motivated to go out and take advantage of uh, some pretty lonely waters all over the country this time of year. Most uh, most folks aren't thinking about fly fishing in the months of really November, December, January, and it's a great opportunity to get out there and uh, get some solitude, uh, catch some trout naturally, but really get some peace and quiet uh, out there on the river. So, uh, you know, we pre- prepared with the right information and actually the right, you know, uh, apparel and such. Uh, winter fishing can be very fun and very rewarding and very productive, uh, as well. So I'll I'll try to stay organized here. Uh, and, uh, I don't want to beat around the bush. I want to get to some good information, but, uh, we'll talk about layering systems for clothing, uh, glove options, that kind of stuff. We'll naturally talk about flies, small tackle items, and then general strategy. Maybe do it in that order. So, uh, first off, it's really tough to fish when it's cold and have fun if you're not prepared correctly uh, with the right layering systems. Um, so, there's lots of different ways to go about this. I'm sure that if you like to fly fish and you're considering going out when it's cold, you've done some stuff outside and you probably got a pretty good idea how to get set up. But I'm just going to give you a few uh, few ideas. We'll start with the feet and uh, work up to your head. Uh, when it comes to keeping your feet warm uh, and you're fishing in water that's, say, under 45 degrees, you know, or 40 degrees, uh, I wear boot foot waders. I got the, the Sims ones. They're fantastic. If you're a diehard angler and you really want to have warm feet and enjoy fishing when it's cold, I can't recommend the Sims G3 uh, boot foot waders enough. The, the main thing with these Buffa waders is like neoprene stocking feet, you know, when you're standing in the water, the water pressure squeezes all that neoprene right around your feet. So you kind of have the cold water right on the other side of the neoprene, which is against your foot. And as you know, water is incredibly conductive. And my feet will get cold. Uh, you know, I'm fairly hardy. been doing this a long time. But my feet will get cold wearing my neoprene, uh, even with the same sock system and even with boots that are big enough, you know, over my stocking foots, my feet get cold. Um, so the boot foot wader, you have kind of an airspace and what happens is you don't get, you don't get any perspiration or condensation on your feet when you're wearing those boot foot waders and you kind of have a breathable airspace in there around your foot and it is just so comfortable. The downsides are the boot foots, they're not very, they're not great for hiking or walking extended distance, and I I don't really care for them for technical wading, but for for wading that's primarily gravel, where I'm going to be walking less than half a mile in a day, the boot foots are 
they're the cat's meow. I mean, it, they're absolutely awesome. And if you fancy yourself as a winter fisherman, if maybe you're after steelhead or you just like to fish when it's cold, the Boofoots are a fantastic investment. Check them out. They're on our website. Um, we keep them in stock all the time. Uh, so check them out. I think it's totally worth going for them. Uh, if you're just wearing stocking foots like I have for years and years and years, uh, toe warmers are nice to have, you know, stick them to your toes. Uh, and I tend to like one thick sock versus multiple pairs of socks. Uh, they don't squeeze my feet as much. So get like one really good, uh, thick pair of wool socks. Uh, I would recommend trying to avoid like acrylic or blended materials and just get like a pure one super thick, like polar extreme type wool sock. And uh, don't lace your boots up too tight. If you can swing it, get an extra pair of boots that are maybe half size or a little big. And make sure that you have some loft in there and kind of some airspace around your foot. Um, as far as like legs and stuff like that, keeping your legs going, you can lose a lot of heat through your legs. Uh, there's different ways to go about layering systems. But uh, I like to have one, you know, one base layer system. There's lots of stuff out there. I'm not real picky about what it is. Uh, and then, uh, you know, like there's a nice pair of pants that I wear over the top of it. I wear the Sims cold weather pants because they're insulated really well in the shins. Uh, they're they're uh, specific for wading. So making sure like those, those are big socks you got, jack those things up. Get like a calf high sock so that wool sock is high. And then uh, if you get a specific set of pants that are made for wading when it's cold, they're insulated in the shins. And uh, where you're going to spend most of your time if you're standing in the water, and it's pretty handy. There's these other pants by Sims that are called their Fjord pants. And I know uh, at a glance, they're kind of ridiculous on price. Uh, I don't have a set yet, um, but if I was doing a lot more winter guiding, uh, like if I was guiding winter steelhead, um, I'll guide fall steelhead, but we don't really have a good winter fishery for steelhead close to here, I would definitely get those Sims Fjord pants. They're like 250 bucks. But I was looking at some Sims wading pants I've had the other day. I've had it for like 12 years. So uh, you're going to buy this thing once, and you're going to enjoy it, and you're going to be warm. Uh, but those Sims Fjord pants, if you've got a big trip coming up and you want to stay warm uh, and comfortable, I would definitely consider getting those. And uh, they're handy for lounging and other stuff, too, when it's cold. But uh, that pretty much covers legs. Get one base layer. One good pair of warm pants. I don't like doing a bunch of different layers on stuff. It's just awkward and uncomfortable and binding. So I like the kind of the base layer system and then wear a thick pair of pants. Uh, as far as the top goes, uh, you know, I've done this a lot of different ways. Uh, I fished when it's cold for a lot of years. Uh, I tend to wear like one thin kind of base layer. Uh, I Anymore, I avoid like an Under Armour type fit. I don't really like that real super tight fit against my skin uh, over the course of a long day. So I usually wear like just some kind of synthetic uh, or a merino wool, just something that's comfortable to wear. And then I'm pretty much all Prima Loft from, you know, right right over that, that thin layer. I'm wearing Prima Loft all the way out. Uh, you know, Sim, Sims has a bunch of this stuff. And make sure that when you buy this insulated stuff, Primaloft is an incredible material, and I don't mean to spend too much time on layering stuff, but the Primaloft is awesome. It's warm when wet, it's synthetic, it doesn't soak up water, so if you're in a light sprinkler, rainstorm, snowstorm, uh, the Primaloft doesn't soak up water. It's re very resilient in moist conditions. If you were to get wet or get a wet arm, 
The Prima Loft's great, way better than Down, not even close, but the Prima Loft gold is the right stuff. And, uh, you know, Sims makes a lot of that stuff, you know. North Face makes it too. I got a North Face jacket I've owned for about 15 years that, that's made with Prima Loft that just won't die. Uh, wear that a lot, but I'll wear two Prima Loft layers typically. I'll wear something against my chest, either a vest uh, or a light Prima Loft, and then I'll wear like a, an outer Prima Loft layer, often a hoodie. Uh, on the the outside, and then uh, as a last resort, if there's wind or moisture, I'll wear a uh, Sims G4 jacket. You know, some type of shell, especially if I'm in precarious waiting. Waiting jackets are made for waiting. If you fall in that kind of stuff, or you you you're, you use your arm and reach into the water to catch yourself ever, so that you don't completely dunk. Wading jackets in precarious situations are great. I've done a couple of videos where I intentionally fall in to show you the value of a wading jacket. It keeps you buoyant keeps you dry and at some point it will save you a day of fishing so if there's uh precipitation or if i'm waiting in areas that are semi-precarious you know it's real slick where i might go dad i wear a waiting jacket on the outside and uh cinch it up right cinch the sleeves up cinch the waist up keep it zipped up use it right uh go to our website and look at those jackets the sims g4 pro jacket for a little more info on that and it doesn't necessarily have to be that g4 pro uh it could be any kind of good <clears throat> solid wading jacket the old sims guide jacket's one of the best bargains out there um they made that thing for a lot of years uh but uh check that out and as far as hats and stuff go you can go a bunch of different directions if you really want to be warm and dry there's like a sims gore-tex extreme hat with ear you know elmer fudd ear flaps that thing is invincible in snow and rain uh but beanie, stocking cap, all that kind of stuff. I like the old visor beanie because I do want to keep the sun out of my eyes when it does get sunny. And uh, that's pretty handy. But the the ball cap, stocking cap combo is also a good way to go. And uh, that way you can adjust if you don't need the stocking cap. You don't. And uh, I'll just add, you want to make sure you avoid uh, trying getting sweaty. Like a lot of people get all, they get right out of the rig, they get all layered up, and then they walk a quarter mile down to the river, and by the time they get there, they're sweating, and now they get a layer of, you know, perspiration all over their body, and then, then all of a sudden they're not moving for a while because they're fishing in one spot or rigging up, and uh, that's a really easy way to get cold. So manage your layering when you hike in, hike out kind of thing. Um, I learned this tree stand hunting for whitetails, and uh, you'd get all layered up at the pickup. And uh, get all your warm clothes on because you're about to sit in tree stand for, you know, half a day and uh, in single digit temperatures. And if if I when I was doing that, I I don't whitetail hunt a ton, but when I was doing that, if I got sweaty at all, I would freeze. Inversely, if I would carry my you know major layers to the tree and then get my layers on there, climb up in the tree, then I was good and I'd stay warm. But that light layer of sweat makes a huge difference. So really manage your layering system not well if you're going to walk in, walk out. Uh, and then gloves. So gloves are a big one. You know, hand warmers in the pockets are nice. I rarely use them myself because uh, they don't work half the time and I shake the hell out of them and they still don't work and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I do a couple of different things. I like to have two pairs of gloves with me every time I fish. Uh, if I'm rowing and hauling my boat, you know, like just moving my boat around, you know, rowing between spots, winching the boat up, that kind of stuff, doing general work around the water. Uh, I like, 
you know, a waterproof glove uh, or a neoprene glove just kind of for that heavy work. But while I'm fishing, I, I need a half-finger glove. Uh, you know, I like the Sims wool half-finger gloves. Uh, I'll wear those oftentimes. But if you're if you're doing boat work and stuff like that, keep one pair of gloves that can kind of get wet and, and do a lot of that dirty work for you, launching boats, pulling boats out. And then uh, while I'm fishing, those wool half-finger gloves are really nice. And uh, when I need it, and it's a little colder than the, that Sims fold-over mitten is money. Uh, that thing's great because then I can fold the mittens over, uh, you know, while I'm rowing a boat or I've got some downtime. I could even fish pretty decent with those fold-over mittens on, depending on what I'm doing. If I'm spay fishing a static length of line, I can actually fish with that fold-over mitten over my hand and keep my hands warm. Um, so hopefully that is some helpful intel just on getting layered up right. Get the Prima Loft, get two sets of gloves, you know, make sure to, to consider a visor when you're choosing your stocking cap, uh, leg layering, a base layer, and a warm pair of pants is good, and then uh, you know, your boot and sock system, boot foot waders are amazing. If you don't have boot foot waders, one super thick wool sock, calf high, uh, you know, real tall sock, keep your calves warm. It'll help keep your toes warm. Okay. So, uh, yesterday's conditions, uh, were pretty nice when we started out and, uh, it got really, really cold during the day and the fishing kind of went like this, uh, during the cold season, Generally, your warmest water temps are going to be late in the day. Um, you know, at our latitude, we're at 47 degrees north right here. And it's getting dark about 4.30. Um, it gets dark early this time of year. But right before dark, that 3.30 time frame seems to be the warmest water temperatures of the day. And uh, yesterday was just, we caught fish. They were a little pickier, you know, right off the bat. Yesterday, we started casting about 11, fish till about 4.15. And uh, they were a little picky right off the bat, but we did well uh, on a zebra midge, really small midge pattern, um, black, number 18. Uh, you can go to our website, just type in zebra in the search bar if you want to know what this stuff looks like. It's a pretty basic fly, but uh, it's tied on a scud hook, so like a curved shank hook. And even on that 18, uh, when you hook up a fish, it tends to stay hooked pretty well. Uh, which is nice, but we ran that fly in the morning uh, on a two-fly rig, and they preferred that fly over all others. And ran that on 6X Scientific Angler's Fluorocarbon Tippet. And uh, I, I was reminded yesterday that the guy, the gal that I was with, they're, they were super stoked and to be there, and they're, they've done a lot of fishing, and they're good anglers. But they were so jacked up, they were busted off like three fish and i kept trying to tell him like hey this we can't set the hook like we're using stonefly nymphs this has got to be like you know a pretty easy lift it, you have to be quick but there's a difference between quick and powerful those are two very different adjectives and we want to react but we don't want to react where we snap the line where the line comes tight and snaps tight we need to draw the line tight you know, we need to be quick. We need to respond psychologically very fast. But we need to be, uh, it's like comparing a rubber band to a mole trap, right? A rubber band can be quick, but it doesn't have power, you know. But a mole trap, you know, naturally is very powerful, you know, with the steel jaws and stuff. But uh, we want to react quick. Can't react powerful. You're going to break fish off, and you're actually going to miss fish too. So it took a couple of holes to get that hook set dialed in. But by midday, uh, it was 
uh, it, it, very apparent uh, what a difference the the texture of the hook set made. Um, we began to hook a lot more fish. You know, maybe the fish were getting more aggressive by about one or two o'clock as well. But I, it it had more to do with the hook set. The other thing, so the setup, I'll just describe the setup in its entirety. And this is no BS. This is exactly what I was fishing when I was guiding. Okay, no secrets here. Uh, the bottom fly we used uh, a nymph called a Duracell. You can go to the go to our website. Type in Duracell in the search. You can find it on our shop under Shop by Technique under Euro Nymphing on that page, or you can just go to Flies and Nymphs. But we have so many flies uh, that can be a little hard to find just general navigating. Just type in Duracell, like the battery, and you'll see this nymph. And we fished um, a number fourteen uh, and a number twelve. It didn't seem to make a big difference on weight or selection. I think we ran out of twelves. Uh, we lost three or four of them, and so I just started running 14s, and we still were able to get the fly to sink fine. Uh, but we ran that. We didn't run any shot. We ran a New Zealand-style indicator system, you know, very dainty indicator, and we ran that Duracell. Uh, we started out about four feet under our strike indicator, and then I went to about five and a half feet. Um, and about 16 to 18 inches above that Duracell nymph, I tied in a little junction with 6X, and I use that Scientific Angler's Absolute Fluorocarbon Tippet. I love that stuff. Check it out. Just type in, uh, you know, or go to our Leaders and Tippet section. Click Tippet and check that stuff out. But those spools have a cutter. And the heavy-duty rubber band keeps that light tippet really organized and doesn't scar the tippet as you pull it out. So I ran, and I run one diameter from all the way from the strike indicator down. This is basically a hinge leader. You can build your own leader. Uh, using a perfection loop or a tippet ring. There's a bunch of different ways you could do it, but I run all tippet from the indicator down, and I don't move my... I know that New Zealand-style indicator, you can move it a little bit. I don't move mine. I, I just adjust my tippet length. So my whole leader winds up being about 10 feet. I run about 5 feet down to the indicator to give myself incredible mendability, and then I run about 5 feet down to my, my bottom fly, approximately. Um, so... And then about 18 inches above that Duracell nymph, I tie on that zebra midge is what I do typically during the winter. Um, those are two of my go-to patterns. Um, the bottom fly will change quite a bit, but I'm always going to run either red, black, or all of zebra midge. Yesterday, I favored black or the trout favored black. Maybe I favored black, and it was a self-fulfilling prophecy that the trout favored black. Uh, but that's my setup. We started out running shorter, and uh, once I kind of got a feel for the fishing and the depth we we said okay let's go ahead and run a little longer but i run 5x all the way down um gaining more experience euro nymphing has really taught me that lighter tip it does make an enormous difference on my indicator rigs too and we ran that setup all day um we uh because it was a husband wife couple they want to fish in the boat fish together joke around have fun social um so we did not we didn't trout spay fish and wade uh, a lot of times in the winter i will do that as well with my guests but uh we stayed in the boat stayed warm had fun uh we saw a midge hatch in the afternoon uh i did see fish rising in the evening uh that's one thing to really be aware of is when that uh, and the fish kind of moved up into the shallows, but by that point, um, 
Natasha was pretty cold and ready to head back to the lodge. I don't blame her. It got miserable for a little bit yesterday, guys. I'm not going to kid you. Uh, but she did right. She chilled out. Uh, no pun intended there. Put her hands in her pockets and uh, warmed up her hands. Had fun uh, watching. And uh, she caught a handful of fish early in the day and was kind of just rode along in the boat, stayed warm. And uh, we had a little buddy heater in the boat, too. So that was kind of cool to be able to have. Um, anyway, so we saw fish feeding in the afternoon, but what happens during the winter, and I did this, or I mentioned this on a spay fishing, uh, video I did about 10 days ago is when that air, like today, right now, I mean, it's, this air is, it's probably close to 40 now. I think it was about 35 when I walked out, but it's warming up fast. Uh, and we're going to have a high, it, we've essentially reached the high temperature of the day, but those fish will move out to the shallow edges and uh, they'll actually hold when that air temperature gets uh, warm in the water. They'll move right out of those distinct tanks. They'll move right up into the edges. They they enjoy the sunlight penetration and uh, they feed better when they get up in those shallow edges when they're aggressive. And I saw that yesterday evening and those fish were feeding on, on midge and they're probably feeding on midge clusters and mating midge and eating them a couple at a time whereas a griffith snat uh or a, a peacock caddis with a with a real you can pluck the the wing off of like a number 16 peacock caddis fly and that makes a pretty good midge cluster and if you're out and you begin to see fish rise on those midge they're, they're generally going to eat them one of two ways they're generally going to eat a chronomid larva just under the surface and i'll run um a dry dropper with a little black zebra midge about 12 inches under the surface or a little brassy 12 inches under the surface uh, i like the brassy because of its weight um it is part of the reason it fishes well but brassy is a classic midge pattern don't ignore that fly uh great i mean if you don't know what a brassy is just go type in brassy on our website and reference it and I'll, if you see this podcast on the blog there's links there if you're just listening to this podcast uh on podbean go to our blog go to redsflyshop.com slash blog and you can check the article out there and you can see uh brassy fly and you'll see a list of the tackle that i mentioned here so uh you can run a dry dropper or you can run a little tiny indicator like a little pulsa or a rio uh kahuna lt like kahuna light indicator which is essentially a little piece of hollow fly line uh works pretty good and you can run that and you can run that brassy or that midge about 12 inches under the surface on 6x and you can pick off those fish that are swirling swirling on emerging midge just under the surface when they're on midge at least here they can be very very tough to get on actual uh, midge emerger patterns so i would i would really emphasize trying to get them on that because it can be a pretty short window you don't have a ton of time uh to experiment and uh so i would encourage you go ahead and go right for the jugular and try to pick those fish up on those midge just under the surface before you spend too much time messing around trying 10 different emerging midge patterns uh once you see their heads up on the surface um and you're actually seeing a sip you can go ahead and go with that griffith snat imitation griffith snats are great like i said you can sub in a peacock elk caddis works great or a black 
elk hair caddis works pretty good. Just make sure that it is very buoyant. When those midge are on clusters, they're perched up on the surface tension. They're, they're not going to be down in the film in that situation. So you need good floating. You need a good fly line, a good, you know, pretty, don't use fluorocarbon leader because you need that fly to stay right up on the surface. So the fish were feeding on, on dry flies yesterday afternoon. It would have been a great opportunity to catch a fish on a dry fly in December. But by that point, Tosh was cold and we were heading for the lodge. Uh, we fished pretty late. We fished right till 4.15. So it was pretty much time to wrap it up anyway. So Duracell bug was great in the afternoon. Zebra midge, black number 18, was great in the morning. We just nymph-fished, didn't do anything else. Uh, solid day of winter fishing. I would really encourage you to take some of these strategies on tackle that I talked about. Get your tackle set up right, get the right flies, and then get the right gear, get the right apparel, get warm stuff, and try to find a couple of days uh, where you have... It's helpful to have slightly above average temperatures um but it's more of a relative thing you don't really need a warm day to have good winter fishing today is way warmer than it was yesterday uh yesterday was colder and we had fantastic fishing and today might fish just as good or better i don't know but you don't have to have you know a beautiful bluebird day uh, to have good winter fishing we're fishing under fog uh in in fairly low-lying cloud cover and uh the benefit to that is you get warm nighttime temps so don't overthink the weather. There's a lot more going on there. Uh, a lot of times water temperatures and feeding behaviors relative to what's been happening the last 48 hours or even the last week to two weeks. Fish behavior something that's just, there's a lot of intangibles there that we don't understand. So find a day to get out, get it on your calendar and get out there and try to take advantage of it. We didn't see a single angler yesterday. Caught at least a dozen nice trout. Fantastic day and uh, didn't see a soul. Uh, Saw a bunch of eagles, bighorn sheep, and mule deer. Um, that was all we saw on the river all day. That's pretty sweet. Uh, anyway, check this out on our blog, redsflyshop.com slash blog. And uh, shop with us online. All the stuff that I mentioned is right there. And uh, check us out. And you can follow us if you want to see like more up-to-the-minute stuff that's happening around here. Follow us on Instagram uh, or Facebook. And that's where we kind of post like more uh, just current river reports and conditions, that kind of stuff. Anyway, thanks for listening.